chance to share just two or three things that the Lord uh, spoke to him, encouraged him, challenged him on the strip. Paul was such a blessing. You know he would be, but he was such an encouragement, and he got no sleep at all, and he kept going. <laughs> so we want to pray for his uh, rejuvenation. The Lord will get him back on track, but what an encouragement to so many. Uh, I want to give him some time this morning just to share a little bit. So, Paul, you go ahead as the Lord leads. <clears throat> There's a verse in the uh, book of John. I uh, preached from this morning. I preached a message, started a series called The Process of the Gospel. When I tell these stories, it'll make complete sense, and I really think it'll go with you. Where's he at? <laughs> <laughs> Thought the Lord took him and left me. <laughs> I think it'll go with your message this morning. I wasn't trying to do that, but I got to thinking about it. But the Bible says in the book of John, in uh, the sixth chapter, verse 27, labor not for the meat which pareth, but for the meat uh, which endureth unto everlasting life, Amen. which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. And uh, in talking about this, uh, my first thing I talked about this morning is the process of the gospel. It needs the right activity, not just activity, but the right activity. And uh, when I think about that, uh, the first thing I think about is a fellow by the name of Jacob that was with us on our trip. And on the way back, he upgraded his seat that I could sit in it knowing that I'd suffer. And then when we took our second plane ride, our third one was going to be 15 hours, and I'd been sitting there, I was struggling so back. And all of a sudden, here comes Travis. <laughs> and he didn't ask me if I was okay. He brought one of the women with him that, and uh, said, you need to help him. And I was suffering so much. And the guy uh, beside of me was the Air Force, in the Air Force for, he's 53 years old, and uh, he did aircrafts. And he let me have his seat so I could put my, you know, uh, the gospel, it needs the right activity. Now those two stories I really want to share because, and I, I want you to know as a church, I love you guys because I'm so used to pastoring and uh, always meeting other people's needs. And that's one of the few times in my Christian life where I come here and you guys are always doing something for me and I want you to know it. But I want to tell this story and then I'll hand it o over to Travis. Um, you know, you think about Sindhu and their ministry. They were in a village, um, and they were giving food to this village. And uh, the the road there was so rough because uh, many was telling me when they would go there, the kids would say, Dad, you're going to throw me out of the car. <laughs> it was so rough. She was sharing with me. And uh, some guy in that village had told Sindhu that there's a village up there and it was probably a good 10 miles up through there. And they went to this village and when they got up there, there were four brothers that had houses and the first house was one of the brothers and they began to give them food. And uh, the fella had been sick and he went to the witch doctor and it made him sicker and they asked if they would pray for him and Sindhu prayed for him, 
and the Lord touched that man's life. He ended up uh, giving a piece of land uh, to donate to build a church there. They have a church there. And uh, it's just amazing to see, that actually, the Free Will Baptist had a lot to do with Sindhu's uh, help, too, to build him a house once he donated the land. The place he lived in was nothing. They built him a, a, a house. It was a very small house, but it's still, to them, it was very nice. But the most amazing thing about it, when we talk about it needs the right activity, because Sindhu was doing something, trying to reach out. The gospel of Jesus Christ got there. Yes. And one of the great things about that, that road has, was so bad, they said, getting up to that last village, they couldn't even hardly get a car up there. Somehow, some way, the state yes. paved a road from there all the way up to that village. Yes. And uh, everywhere I went in India, the more there were Christians, the better the town or the city looked. Yes. But I'm going to tell you since the process of the gospel. It needs the right activity. Sometimes we have activity, but our activity is loving people and helping people. And uh, it's awesome to see what Sindhu and many in that ministry is doing. What do you guys have for prayer requests or praise items today? Vicki. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. Mentioned a couple of things. Barbara put in the Facebook. She wasn't feeling so well. So remember, Barbara. And then also, one of the guys on our team, his name is Stacy Ross, and he has a 15-year-old special needs uh, daughter. And she went to the emergency room this weekend with RSV, and so he went to India with us. So he is on no sleep, and he's dri driven about four hours from his house to Oklahoma City to be with his daughter. Just pray that the Lord will touch little Lizzie's body uh, today, and that she'll be okay. All right, we're going to be in the book of James, um, James chapter 2. And, of course, you guys know how I am. I'm really tempted to have Paul and I probably took with our team. We took over 1,000 pictures, I'm sure, and I don't want to throw out 1,000 pictures on you this morning. So I think what I'm going to try to do for the next few months is at different times I'll share different stories and maybe help us digest it a little at a time. <laughs> and I'll have one for you today uh, in the message. But, you guys, we, had a, we want to thank you so much for your prayers. We had an unbelievable time, learned so many things, and saw so many friends, and just so encouraged about what God is doing. So the title of the message is the same as the title of the series today, and that is Faith 
that works, faith that works. Let's look in James chapter 2. The whole passage we're going to look through 14 through 26, but let's start for right now in verse 17. James chapter 2 and verse 17. The word of God says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. So today we're going to look at how faith and works, how they work together, how they go together. First, I want to start off with this idea from Carol Simcox. He says, Among the remembered prayers of the very wise and holy St. Thomas More is this. The things, good Lord, that we pray for give us the grace to labor for. Let me say that again. The things, good Lord, that we pray for give us the grace to labor for. A good example of someone who understood this is a little girl whom Leslie Weatherhead mentioned in one of his early books. She was much troubled by the fact that her older brother trapped rabbits, and she had begged him in vain to stop trapping the rabbits. One night, her mother heard her praying, Dear God, please stop Tommy from trapping rabbits. Please don't let them get trapped. They can't, they won't. Amen. Her mother, troubled and perplexed, asked, Darling, how can you be so sure that God won't let rabbits be trapped? The blessed child calmly replied, Because I jumped on the traps and sprung them all. When I tell this story in sermons, I see smiles. It is a charming story, but not a cute one. It is a paradigm of Christian praying. One more family? You praying for that? Are you working for that, right? Your friend that's far from God, you're praying for them? Are you working towards the Lord drawing them to him? For our church, for so many things and needs, even as Ray shared with us this morning, we're looking forward to a great Easter, and we're going to pray the Lord will send people, but are we inviting, are we loving, are we serving, right? Faith and works, okay? And so today we're going to talk about that in this passage and kind of see how they fit together. The first thing that Peter starts out with is dead faith, dead faith. So go down to verse 14, chapter 2 with me. I have NIV here this morning. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is it's dead. Brother Stacy that I just shared with you about and his daughter in the hospital, he shared about this with us on our travels this week. And he says, sometimes we like to think, well, faith without works is just kind of limping along. Faith without works just means, you know, it just needs a little more support. But that's not what the gospel says, is it? It says faith, if it has no works, it's dead. None of us want dead faith, Right? So we need the Lord to pour in us and through us in worship and faith and then outpour from us in works. Now, let's start off this morning with this truth. And you guys know this, but we just want to make it so clear today. Salvation is by faith. Are we tracking with that? Okay. 
No amount of Bible reading, no amount of helping the homeless, no amount of serving the nursing home or the jail or no amount of mission trips is going to make your way to heaven because salvation is not by works, is it? Salvation is by faith. So let's be clear on that. In the scriptures, Romans in uh, chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 7, the scripture says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Right? That's a quotation from the Old Testament. The just live by faith. Now, there is nothing we can do to earn our right standing with God. It is because of what Jesus did. And it is our trust in his work, and it is his work in us that changes us, that saves us. So let us be really clear this morning. We're going to talk a lot about works, and we need works. Faith without works, it is dead. But salvation is not through works. Salvation is through faith. But faith that has no works or no deeds cannot save. I hope that is so clear today. If faith is just some affirmations of words, it is not true faith. You know what I mean when I say that? Affirmation of words? You know, someone confess, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord, but if that's just a mental assent and it's not a change of the heart and there's no deeds, it's not saving faith, right? We've talked about this many times, and I've seen it a few times in my life, and it troubles me. Some people can be forced to say a sinner's prayer, right? Pressure can be applied to them and pushed down upon them. And just, well, just say these magic words after me, and after you say them, you'll be saved. Well, saying magic words doesn't save anybody, right? Now, submitting your heart, confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart, and repenting, surrendering, the Lord coming in, that changes you. <laughs> but just an affirmation of truth, saying, well, yeah, I agree to this, something you heard in Sunday school or in a message, is not saving faith if there are nothing there's no change no works that follow that if faith is just being pushed under the water in baptism it is not faith right i mean somebody can go and get dunked in the water and we love when people get baptized right we love that they're going to confess that they're following jesus but just being immersed in a tub of water will not save someone's soul right but if it is tied together with the Spirit of God and it results in works that glorify Him, that's where we see saving of faith. Again, some penology here this morning, but bear with me. I'm afraid that many churches have people in the pews that have made some affirmations. They have learned some verses. Occasionally they say a rehearsed prayer, but there is no action flowing from their so-called faith. There is no change in their life. This is it right? If you say you've been saved, but there's no change, something isn't adding up. There has to be change. When the Spirit of God invades the heart of a person, he changes them. You guys, I was six years old when I asked the Lord into my heart. And you think, how can a six-year-old know anything about God? But it changed my whole outlook on my entire life in that moment, because God did the changing. Everything has been different ever since then, all right? So we need that kind of changing by the Lord for our faith to be what it should be. I hope this will help make things a little bit clearer this morning. This is a, just a simple uh, idea, but it makes good sense, I hope. Faith must precede deeds, but it must be followed by them. Are you tracking with that? 
There's a lot of wonderful people doing a lot of good deeds. Amen? There's a lot of people that aren't Christians doing great things for people in the world. There's a lot of kind people. There's a lot of people helping homeless, helping in the nursing home, helping in the jail that are not Christian. They're doing lots of good works. But the kind of thing we're talking about here today, a real changing faith, faith comes first. And when that faith in the Lord comes, then out of that repentance and out of that surrender, then flows a life of faith. Faith precedes the deeds, but it must be followed by, there must be change. If you profess to know Christ, but your works speak otherwise, then you possess only a dead faith. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, I am often, I believe, praying for others when I should be doing things for them. It's so much easier to pray for a boar than to go and see him. Right? What did, how did James word it, right? I go up to Ray's house. Ray, I spent all my money. And Wendy spent it all on Amazon. And we got nothing. We got no food. We got no bread. Chief can't even eat. That would probably really work on his heart, I think, right there. Uh, can you help me out? And Ray says, come here, Brother Travis, come here. And he puts his, his hand on my head, and he prays the most beautiful, wonderful prayer. God bless my brother. God be his provider. God meet his needs. And then Ray says, we'll see you Sunday, Travis. And I know Ray's house. He's got plenty of dog food. He's got plenty of other food, and he just sends me on his way. Where's his faith? He didn't show it, did he? Right? How many of us as, uh, in the past as churches, Lord, please help the, the people in need in our city, and yet we take nothing to them. I, I love you guys for the willingness the Lord has put it. It's not something we did. The Lord put it on our heart for us to be obedient, right? But we are trying in the smallest of ways to put some action with that faith. Amen? It should not be just a prayer. It should be a prayer that bears fruit. Sometimes it is easier just to pray for someone. I don't want to go be with that person. <laughs> I don't want to try to meet their needs. But if the Lord puts it on our heart, we need to not just pray, but go praying and act, right? Prayer, faith, and works, how they go together. What actions are flowing from your faith? That's really kind of our main question today. What actions are flowing out of your faith? So that was dead faith. We don't want a dead faith. Here's the next one we don't want. And that is a demonic faith. That doesn't even make sense, hardly does it, right? And yet it comes right from the scripture here this morning. Demonic faith. Look down, if you would, in the next verse, in verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Well, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good! Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. That is powerful, isn't it, right? Again, it is grace alone through faith that saves. It is not of works. I want to make that clear because we're talking about so much about works today. Look at the verse with me again, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's what? His workmanship, his masterpiece. It's an incredible word right there. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see the whole thing in that verse, that paragraph, don't you, right? 
It is by grace you are saved through faith, not of works. Oh, but by the way, those of you that are saved by faith, God has made you a masterpiece, a workmanship created to do what? To do good works. It is of faith, not of works, but you're made to do works. Are you seeing how they tie together, right? And sometimes we can get it confused. So it's not just enough to say, oh, I affirm this, I believe this, I declare this creed. Our life must bear that change, that action of works. God made us to do good works. Faith and works, this is from William Booth, should travel side by side, step answering to step, like the legs of a man walking. First faith, and then works, and then faith again, and then works again until you can scarcely distinguish which is one and which is the other. As we live close to the Lord in belief, he will act in us to serve those around us. We won't be a bump in the log. If our faith is strong, it will result in the workmanship being beautiful. And so James says to the church there, you say you believe in God, so what? Even the devils believe in God, and they do what? They shudder. They tremble. Huh? You can say you believe there is a God. Big deal. The demons know there is a God. And he has orchestrated their path and their place and their final destination and destruction is already declared by him. They believe in God and they tremble. And we believe in God and we're like, yeah, yeah, he's God. Something's not right there, is it, right? In some respects, we need to have the faith (laughs) that the demons have about how real our God is. They know he's real. And James says, it's not enough just to say you believe there's a God. Even the devils know there is a God, and that is not enough. Will you submit your will to his? What does your belief in God do to how you behave? Your actions show what you truly believe. Amen? What do you believe? We say this all the time. It just makes good sense to me. Uh, You don't have to literally do it, but get out your calendar this morning. What do you believe? Where are you spending your time? Let's get out your phones and we'll open up your bank account this morning. Or get your checkbook out if you don't do it on your phone. Where does your money go? I can tell you what you believe. Let me see how you spend your time. Let me see how you spend your money. I know what you believe, right? I was sharing with the boys today, we were talking about hypocrisy. And one of the things I love about my grandpa and my dad is they were the same person in the house as they were in the church as they were at their work. They weren't perfect, but they tried their very best to always be the same and not to put on shows or airs. We need to be that way. We need to be without hypocrisy, and we need to be a people of action. Here's another thing I want to challenge you on this morning. Oh, boy, talk about being challenged. Do you believe that you can make a difference with God's help? Sindhu and Minnie. Their goal by 2030 is to have 2,000 churches in their organization. 2,000. We're just hoping that we still have a church by 2030. Are you catching that mindset? And you're like, oh, that's just wishful dreaming and thinking. Well, four years ago, there was 80 churches in this network. And we went back this time, there was 250. Hmm? 
Do you think God can make a difference in your life if you will submit to him? We serve a very weak God, don't we? Yeah, you ought to slap the preacher when you hear that. But we act like that sometimes, don't we? Oh, maybe we can make this little thing. Maybe we can do that. I don't know. And here's people that are dreaming for their country, that their whole country would know Jesus. And they're acting on that belief. Right? 19th century evangelicals, 1800s, the church, when they saw a problem, they believed they could do something about it with the help of their God. Why do we have so many hospitals? (laughs) The church, right? Why do we have so many pregnancy care centers? The church. Why do we have so much education? Look at your Harvard, look at your Yales, look at all your Ivy League schools. Do you know how they started out? They were seminaries. They were places where people came to learn and to know the word of God, the church, because they believed that their God was big and he could do big things. You guys, we need a faith that works. Amen? Lord, help us, even today, imagine big things, but not just imagine them, but as he leads, not on our own power, but as he leads, that we act on them. Simple question, have you given up? hope not. Do you still believe God can change the hearts of men, women, and children? He is, right? And again, you guys, we've seen it here. I don't want to make it light here. God has been changing lives even around us. Okay, let's close this morning with this idea. Faith at work. Look down at verse 20. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does, and not by faith alone. Abraham was a man of faith, and it was followed by his works. Again, just to clarify, if you want to, turn to Hebrews 11. You guys are so familiar with this story. Hebrews chapter 11, we see there in verse 17, the word of God says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one, his only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Abraham's belief affected his actions. It affected them to the point of the ultimate submission. It still blows my mind every time I hear this story, doesn't it, you? God made a promise. I've given you a promised son. And remember, Abraham and Sarah, they couldn't even really wait for the promise initially, so they tried to work it out themselves, right, rather than waiting on the Lord. The Lord delivered the promised son, and now the Lord is asking Abraham to offer up the promised son. I think I'd have to say, sorry, Lord. You give me this promise, I can't let you take it back on, right? (laughs) But that's not what he did, did he? He got Isaac, and he got the wood, and he went up the mountain to worship the Lord. And then he offered up his son, and before he took the life of his son, what had happened? There was the ram in the (laughs) thicket, right? 
And God provided, and God provided for us, didn't he? His only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us and to deliver us. Hebrews says, Abraham believed God so much that he knew that even if his son were to die, that God would raise him to life again. That was his faith. And he acted on his faith. I'm challenging you and me this morning that we would act on that faith that God has placed in our life. How does your belief affect your actions? If you didn't believe in God, would your life be any different? You hearing the Lord speak there? If you didn't believe in God, would your current life be any different? Would you still get up and have breakfast? You still go to work? You still get your lunch? You come home and eat your supper with your family, watch a little TV and go to bed. Is that all your life is about? If you didn't believe in God, would your life be any different? Look at faith under pressure. James says, in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. It's dead. You guys know the story of Rahab. She's one of my favorite people in the whole word of God. She trusts the Lord, and her faith caused her to be an encouragement to the spies, and it saved the life of her whole family. Not only that, if you go to the book of Matthew and you make your way down the lineage of Christ, guess whose name's in there? It's Rahab. She is the great, 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 great grandma of Jesus because of her faith. That's scary. I couldn't do that. I couldn't take that chance. What would it do? It changed the world because she was obedient through the Spirit of God speaking to her. Right? You guys, we could do the same. I brag on my India friends all the time because they're amazing to me, but you guys are pretty amazing too. And if we'll humble ourselves and submit ourselves to the faith that the Lord has placed in us and let God make that masterpiece out of us, we can see amazing things right here, can't we? We have been seeing amazing things, but we can see even greater things if we will give those things to the Lord. Hebrews, again, chapter 11, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. How is your faith under pressure? Are you making a decision that leads to action? Well, this past week, Paul and I and our team got to see faith that works. Amen? <laughs> We were surrounded by people of great faith, people who believe that God still heals, people who believe that God still casts out demons, people who believe that God answers prayers for the biggest and the smallest of things. They are an incredible praying people, a people of great faith, but they are not just a praying people, they are a people of action. Again, 250 churches in their network praying for 2,000 by 2030, and they've increased 170 churches they're praying for 100 pastors. And I'm going to tell you, after being there, I am not doubting their faith and their vision for one second. It is their faith that has pushed them into action. Hear me out this morning. They are building a training center to bring all these preachers to come and to be trained. They are renting a counseling center so they can counsel young mothers and so they can have little kids come and sing Christian songs on a, almost a, a weekly basis. They have a tailoring workshop so they can train young mothers and other single women how to provide for themselves by learning a tailoring skill. 
through the help of the Hannah Project, they're installing wells with clean drinking water because the Hindus won't let the Christians drink from the other wells, so they've gone in with wells to put clean water in, and guess what? That's drawn people there, and they've been building churches near the wells. They meet each disaster with relief however they can, whether it was COVID like Paul talked about or whether it's monsoons. They drive through the mountains, the rough roads. They walk through the jungle. They go where they can so that people know Jesus loves them. To me, they are the perfect picture of faith that works. Now, instead of showing you a thousand pictures, I'm going to try to break the stories up. But if anybody wants to sit through my thousand pictures, just let me know. I would love to bore you to death with what God is doing in an amazing way there. So I'm going to see if Diane can pull up our first picture here this morning. It's hard to see probably from where you are. So this house here is one of the first uh, works that Sindhu and Mini put together outside of Sri Rampur. It's in Bilyabadi. It's a house church in the Huli district in West Bengal. It is the first church in the Calcutta area. Sindhu told us that his own children were instrumental in helping to plant this church because they would take the kids in and would bring other kids and they would sing. Um, so we got to go there uh, on our first night, and I got to go there four years ago too. And uh, Sindhu had led a man named, by the name of Michael to the Lord. And his daughter grew up in faith and started bringing in more children. And there was also an older man, and he used to drive a rickshaw around town. And it was kind of like our Uber drivers. They would, a Christian Uber driver who would witness to everybody who got in their car, everybody who got in his rickshaw, he told about Jesus. And so all these young people are t- crowded into this tiny little house, dancing and singing and praising the Lord. Well, yesterday... They had a picnic with all those kids, and they had like 70 kids that came on the picnic. Dr. Eagleton was still there just celebrating what God was doing in their life. Again, the majority there are attending our, uh, our children, but they do visitation and care for the believers in the neighborhood. Even the Friday that we met, there was a man in the room who the day before was feeling spiritual oppression, and he had prayed, and many and Sindhu had prayed, and that he came then to that service that we were at, and he testified that he had received deliverance from his oppression. And, this actions, and actions like this led to this group of believers. Their hope, again, they're not done. They're looking. You can kind of see there's a whole bunch of water standing there where that light green color is. They're hoping is to fix and to continue to build up this space so that they can have a bigger space for more people to come and to inhabit that space so more people can worship Jesus. And I am humbled every single time I meet with them. So as we think about this today, uh, go to the next picture, Diane. There's the group of the people there that we were sharing with in, the, in that small house. whose faith guides their action. We need some more Abrahams. We need some more Rahabs. And we need some more Sindhu and Minis. Amen? I hope this week you will worship and you will pray and you will read your Bible, but what I want to ask you is how will you act? What is God calling you to this week? What, is, what work is he wanting from you? The boys and I had a good conversation about this today. David and I are different. We have lots of different gifts. I can't do a thousand push-ups. David can. (laughs) 
but how can God use our gifts in a different way to minister to the people we have? I'm not going to be able to minister to Vicky's friends or Donna's friends or Melissa's friends like they can. And they're not going to be able to minister to the people in Noblesville schools like I can, right? So I've got to be obedient, and you've got to be obedient, that we would do what the Lord would have us to do. So ultimately this week, let's be obedient. Let our faith be proved by our 